Hi, welcome back to the second episode of Lady Lazarus. Thank you so much for joining if this is your first time with me. And if you're returning, if you listened to the last episode, thank you so much. It really means the world to me. Since last week, I've gotten so much positive feedback from friends and family, and I really, really appreciate it. I'm just so excited to see where this goes, and I think that as our community grows, we're going to be able to tackle some more interesting topics and hopefully hear more from you, the listeners, about what you're interested in. So, yeah, thank you. I'm recording this episode on Valentine's Day, so clearly I don't have anything else going on. And before we dive into the main topic for this week, which is finding your passion, I just kind of wanted to take a second to reflect on being single on Valentine's Day. I feel like there's definitely still a lot of awkwardness and weird feelings about being single on Valentine's Day, but compared to even a few years ago, I feel like single people have almost kind of reclaimed Valentine's Day, if that makes sense. So many more people are celebrating like Galentine's or Palentine's and not actually having romantic evenings with their partners or significant others. And I think that's really cool. And I'm really glad that people aren't letting the idea of needing a partner in your life make you feel bad. And I think that especially for people my age, you know, getting up into end of teenage years, beginning your 20s, there's a lot of expectation about wanting to experience long-term relationships and wanting to find someone, even though we are still so young and we still have like our entire lives ahead of us. And so I guess today I'm just feeling grateful for the fact that I'm learning to be comfortable in my singleness and I'm learning to appreciate not needing somebody else in my life. And I think we'll probably dedicate a different episode to talking more in depth about relationships and that sort of thing, but I just felt like it was appropriate since it is Valentine's Day, and I hope that whether you are celebrating with a partner or with your friends, that you had a lovely day filled with care and joy and happiness and fun and laughter. This week's topic is going to be finding your passion. As I was kind of brainstorming what I wanted to talk about in this episode, I kind of realized that there's so much that I could touch on and there's so many things that I am questioning that I don't necessarily have answers to. So I'm not sure how comprehensive this episode is going to be in terms of actually giving you concrete answers to some of my questions, but I guess it'll be more of a interpretive space for us all to kind of think about what our beliefs are and what we think might be the answer to some of these questions. This will make more sense as I get into the podcast, I promise. So basically how this is going to work is I think I'm just going to start with talking about my own experience finding my passion, which as most of you know is music. I'm going to talk a bit about what passions are, why I think it's important to pursue them to some degree, And then after that, I'm going to dive into some more reflective questions about why we feel like we can't pursue our passions. 
Before we dive into my story as well, I just wanted to touch on why I think we should be pursuing our passions at all. I really believe that we are all put on this earth with a purpose and those purposes manifest themselves in our passions, in the things that we love, the things that drive us. And if you don't give those things a chance to flourish in your life, are you really living your life to the fullest? If I have always known that I love music, if I've always wanted to share my stories with people and make people smile or feel things through my art, would I really be doing a service to myself if I decided that I was too afraid to pursue it or that I didn't believe that I would be able to succeed? No, I really genuinely believe that following our passions is the best way to finding peace in ourselves and finding true happiness and acceptance and self-love. So with that in mind, let's get into my story. Before I dive into talking about my journey finding my passion, I would love to read you a passage from my favorite or one of my favorite all-time books. Some of you have probably read it. It is quite famous. It's called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, I read it a few years ago and it really did genuinely change my life in so many ways. And it actually does relate to today's topic of passions in terms of its idea of the personal legend and if you've read the alchemist you know exactly what i'm talking about but for those of you who haven't read it i'd love to read you a few pages before we dive into my story if it doesn't make sense don't worry i'll explain a bit of it after I'm the king of Salem, the old man had said. Why would a king be talking with a shepherd? The boy asked, awed and embarrassed. For several reasons, but let's say that the most important is that you have succeeded in discovering your personal legend. The boy didn't know what a person's personal legend was. It's what you have always wanted to accomplish. Everyone, when they are young, knows what their personal legend is. At that point in their lives, everything is clear and everything is possible. They are not afraid to dream and to yearn for everything they would like to see happen to them in their lives. But, as time passes, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be impossible for them to realize their personal legend. None of what the old man was saying made much sense to the boy, but he wanted to know what the mysterious force was. The merchant's daughter would be impressed when he told her about that. It's a force that appears to be negative, but actually shows you how to realize your personal legend. It prepares your spirit and your will, because there is one great truth on this planet. Whoever you are, or whatever it is that you do, when you really want something, it's because that desire originated in the soul of the universe. It's your mission on Earth. Even when all you want to do is travel, or marry the daughter of a textile merchant? Yes or even search for treasure. The soul of the world is nourished by people's happiness, and also by unhappiness, envy, and jealousy. To realize one's personal legend is a person's only real obligation. 
all things are one. And, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. They were both silent for a time, observing the plaza and the townspeople. It was the old man who spoke first. Why do you tend a flock of sheep? Because I like to travel. The old man pointed to a baker standing in a shop window at one corner of the plaza. When he was a child, that man wanted to travel too. But he decided first to buy his bakery and put some money aside. When he's an old man, he's going to spend a month in Africa. He never realized that people are capable, at any time in their lives, of doing what they dream of. He should have decided to become a shepherd, the young boy said. Well, he thought about that, the old man said. But bakers are more important people than shepherds. Bakers have homes, while shepherds sleep out in the open. Parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. The boy felt a pang in his heart, thinking about the merchant's daughter. There was surely a baker in her town. The old man continued. In the long run, what people think about shepherds and bakers becomes more important for them than their own personal legends. The old man leafed through the book and fell to reading a page he came to. The boy waited and then interrupted the old man just as he himself had been interrupted. Why are you telling me all this? Because you are trying to realize your personal legend and you are at the point where you're about to give it all up. And that's when you always appear on the scene? Not always in this way, but I always appear in one form or another. Sometimes I appear in the form of a solution or a good idea. At other times, at a crucial moment, I make it easier for things to happen. There are other things I do, too, but most of the time, people don't realize I've done them. The old man related that, the week before, he had been forced to appear before a miner and had taken the form of a stone. The miner had abandoned everything to go mining for emeralds. For five years, he had been working a certain river and had examined hundreds of thousands of stones looking for an emerald. The miner was just about to give it all up, right at the point when, if he were to examine just one more stone, just one more, he would find his emerald. Since the miner had sacrificed everything to his personal legend, the old man decided to become involved. He transformed himself into a stone that rolled up to the miner's foot. The miner, with all the anger and frustration of his five fruitless years, picked up the stone and threw it aside. But he had thrown it with such force that it broke the stone it fell upon, and there, embedded in the broken stone, was the most beautiful emerald in the world. People learn, early in their lives, what is their reason for being, said the old man with a certain bitterness. Maybe that's why they give up on it so early, too. But that's the way it is. Oh my gosh, I just love that book so much. I've read it at least three or four times now, and every time I read it, I just get chills. So I don't want this podcast to be super duper long, so I'm not going to debunk everything that went through my head when I was reading that passage. But the reason I decided to bring up that passage is because I believe that your personal legend, which is the book's kind of code name for your destiny, is for a lot of people very connected to your passion. And I think for many of us, our destiny does lie with our passion, whether we realize it or not. And that's why I think it's so important for us to 
recognize our passions and pursue them to whatever degree that we are actually able. And I think something that rings especially true for me is the idea that we all know what our personal legends, what our destiny, what our passions are when we are very young. And as we age, the external factors, the forces of the world, society, our own views of what's important and what's not important cloud our vision of our passions and what we genuinely love. And eventually, I think for a lot of us, we forget that we even love those things in the first place. So now I'm going to take you back to my childhood and we're going to see a bit about my journey into finding my passion of music. Ever since I can remember, I've always loved to sing and to perform. When I was a child, I was never shy to get up in front of people and be the center of attention. I loved to go on stage. I loved to perform in talent shows or choir concerts or anything like that. I don't know. I was just a big extrovert, I think. And my one of my earliest memories is actually getting up in front of my daycare class and singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star which probably at the time seemed really cute, but I think that might have been a bit obnoxious of me. And in kindergarten, I remember putting on tons of plays with my friends in front of the class, and I just loved acting and singing and doing anything kind of musical and creative. So this trend continued all through elementary school, and my parents were really supportive of this. My mom played piano and flute when she was younger so she was really encouraging of me to start taking piano lessons so I started taking piano when I was five or six and I also joined the Vancouver Bach Choir which was an amazing opportunity for me and my mom worked really hard driving me to these practices across town every week which means so much to me now looking back. So I was singing, I was playing piano and performing as much as I could basically and I was really enjoying it. Even from a really young age, people recognized that music was something that I was talented at, but something that I also was really passionate about and something that meant a lot to me. For me, now looking back, I can see that even at that really young age, I always knew that music was my passion and that music was something that I was meant to do. So unfortunately near the end of elementary school when I was in grade seven I went through a really tough time of being bullied and even though looking back on it things could have been a lot worse unfortunately those that situation really changed the way I looked at myself and changed the way that I interacted with people around me instead of being an eager performer and being excited to share my musical gifts with people, I all of a sudden felt super unwanted and super shy and super introverted. Even though there's nothing wrong with introverts, and I definitely still identify as one, it was really sad to start feeling like I couldn't share my love of music with other people. And this situation just had a permanent effect on my confidence when it comes to performing in front of people and it's something I still have to work on a lot in order for me to be able to pursue this passion of mine. So that happened and then 
I went into high school feeling really shy and really introverted and not having a ton of friends, but that kind of pushed me into music. It was always something that I felt like I could fall back on, even if I wasn't necessarily performing a ton of in front of other people. And I almost forgot to mention, even though it's the most important part of the story, I started taking voice lessons in grade seven. So right around the time I started having a tougher time with my self-esteem and I don't actually remember this, even though it seems like it would be one of the most pivotal moments in my life, but my voice teacher has told me this story a few times about how before I joined her studio, she had a policy that she had to interview any students under, I think, 14 or something, just to make sure that they were prepared to put in the work, because it's not just showing up once a week to sing. You have to practice, you have to commit to learning your rep, etc., etc., So I went to this interview and Diane, my voice teacher, asked me, why do you want to take singing lessons? And this is word for word how she describes it. And I definitely trust her. So she said that I looked at her with tears in my eyes and I said, because I want more than anything to be a singer. So if that doesn't give you a good idea about my passion for music, I don't know what will. And thankfully, she did accept me into her studio, and so I started taking voice lessons, doing classical and a bit of musical theater, as I was in a musical at that time when I started voice lessons. So yeah, I went into high school, and music became a really important part of my life, and it was something constant when most things in my life felt like they weren't. So I continued to work really hard at music. I kept taking voice lessons, and I stopped taking classical piano, and I started taking jazz piano which was also a big turning point for me and I think that really helped me find my own voice as a songwriter. I had an amazing jazz piano teacher named Jillian Lebeck who taught me at the VSO School of Music which is where I also studied voice with Diane King and playing jazz was always a big kind of cathartic thing for me because it was the one place where I didn't feel like there was such high stakes because I knew I wasn't really trying to go into jazz piano per se. It was just more of a fun hobby to kind of help build my general musical skills. So that was most of my high school experience and I had the opportunity to be in choirs and in bands and I had amazing school music teachers who supported me without fail every time I ever tried anything, whether it was playing a solo in jazz band, or learning to play the bassoon in wind ensemble or singing a solo in choir. They always believed in me and that really helped me build my confidence. But while I was building my passion and love for music and while I was discovering all these new aspects to music that I loved, I was also facing a lot of pressure from the school that I was at. Now, just for some background, I attended a private co-ed school in the Vancouver area that was pretty well known for its academics and it was a university prep school so everyone who went was expected to go to university and I definitely was always planning to go to university and I am getting a university degree now so I definitely didn't feel like I stuck out in that regard but because the school was so academic and rigorous there was a lot of pressure for students to go into more quote-unquote academic fields so like STEM, business, things like that and 
although I'm all for people pursuing their passions, and for a lot of people they are passionate about those subjects, those just weren't really my thing. And so I felt like I had this pressure on me to take a lot of accelerated courses, to take a lot of APs, and to prove to people that I was more than just the music student, even though they take it takes a lot of academic work to really understand music and there's a lot of intellectuals in music but the expectation and the I guess preconceived notions of the people around me were that music was something that people did as a hobby or as an extracurricular and math science English languages etc were the subjects that people actually pursued on a serious level So I ended up stretching myself a bit, taking a lot of accelerated courses and APs. I was a year ahead in math and French, and I took, I think in total, five or six APs over my time in high school. And although I did enjoy some of the courses, especially the humanities, and I was really lucky to have some really amazing teachers in those subjects, I always felt like I had to put school first and music second because the environment that I was in would never allow me to flip those things around. Even though music to me was on an equal if not greater level of importance to my schoolwork. It got to a point in grade 11 where I had to decide whether I wanted to pursue music seriously and start preparing for the audition process or if I wanted to just apply to arts programs because at that point it was pretty clear I wasn't going to do business or anything science or STEM related. So I had this big choice on my hands and for a while I thought that I didn't know what I wanted to do but looking back on it now I definitely always knew that I wanted to go into music and I think this is true for a lot of things but especially with making big life decisions You always know what in your heart you want your decision to be. The biggest factor in stopping you from making that decision is fear. And I was definitely afraid of what people might say if I decided to commit to going into music full-time. I was afraid of failing and not getting into any schools I auditioned for. I was afraid that if I committed to this and things didn't go the way I planned, that I was going to be a failure and I like most other people don't like to fail and at that point I did know that my grades were high enough that I was pretty much secure in terms of getting into whatever arts program in Canada I wanted to so I had to decide whether I wanted to play it safe and do arts or take a chance and try to get into music so in the end I did decide that I was going to do these auditions and I was going to apply to music school on top of also applying to a few schools for arts programs just in case things didn't work out with music. In my grade 12 year, I absolutely had to work my ass off with music. I had to pass up some really cool opportunities like school plays and other extracurriculars so that I would have ample time to prepare and practice. And unfortunately, not a lot of people understood the level of commitment that it was going to take. And even my parents did take some convincing before they were fully sold on the idea of music school. And in case you're not familiar, which I'm sure not a lot of you are, music school consists of 
your private lessons where you work on your instrument, or in my case, voice, as well as coachings with accompanists. I do a ton of academics. I have to take languages like French, German, Italian. I'm taking English courses, theory courses, oral skills courses, history, keyboard harmony, and acting, choir. The list really goes on. It's a very rigorous curriculum, and although it is stressful, it's definitely preparing me for a career in music. Obviously, I was applying to a multifaceted music program, and once I showed my parents that it was serious and that I was serious, they were behind me 100%, and I am so grateful for that because there is a lot of commitment when you're doing these auditions. You have to spend money. You have to commit a lot of time. My mom had to drive me to lessons multiple times a week across town, and I really couldn't have gotten to music school without my parents. So anyways, my parents, super supportive. My close friends, super supportive. But a lot of people just simply didn't understand why I wanted to do music or didn't understand why I would do music over a more quote-unquote academic subject. Honestly, I don't blame them because in the school I was at, there's just not a lot of exposure to non-traditional options and people just weren't aware. But it's still made me feel pretty isolated and it was definitely hard for me to keep justifying my passion over and over again to people who seemed like they didn't even want to understand. One of the things that definitely got to me the most was every so often I'd be talking to somebody and I'd tell them that I was planning on going into music and they'd look at me and they'd say, you're going into music? But you're so smart. As if I couldn't do music and be smart at the same time, which makes no sense. And I know that people didn't mean that in a negative way, but I think there are still some really harmful stereotypes that exist about people going into performing arts or fine arts over people going into STEM or business that need to be broken in order for us to progress as a society and start placing more value on the industries that literally build our entertainment and build our culture. Like, what have you ever heard of a business major who is influencing our culture at the same scale as, say, Beyonce or Taylor Swift. It's just unheard of, really. And without culture, we aren't even human. So clearly, we need to put more value into performing arts, in my opinion, at least. So I did my auditions, and I thankfully got into all three schools that I auditioned for, and I was given a really good opportunity at the Glenn Gould School, where they awarded me a scholarship, and I was placed in the studio of Adrian Pichanka, who is, in my opinion, a legend. She's so cool. She's an amazing voice teacher, and she's taught me so much in the short time that I've been in her studio, and so I definitely made the right decision coming to Glenn Gould. So as you can see, I always knew that music was my passion. I always knew that I loved it. It just took a lot of courage and determination for me to break down barriers that I had put up and break down the barriers that my community had put up in order for me to fully realize that music was what I wanted to pursue. Music was my destiny and music continues to be my destiny. Yeah, I think if you are struggling to find your passion, you should look back on what made you happy when you were younger and maybe think about why 
you stopped doing those things, did somebody judge you for it? Did you feel like it was no longer adequate for you? Did you lack the resources to continue it? Maybe you felt like it wasn't as important as other things, even though it brought you a lot of joy. I think that for a lot of us, if we really reflect, we will be able to find our passions whether we know they're there or not. So just to back up my point a bit more, I have a couple other people in my life that I'm going to talk about who also knew their passions quite young and slowly but surely realized them. So first is my cousin Kiva. If you're listening to this, hi Kiva. She was always interested in science and how the world worked. I remember when we were pretty little, like maybe 10, I don't know, we could have been even younger, she asked for a microscope as a gift for, I think it was Christmas, and we would look at slides of like random things like pancake batter, and you know, she was always the one to ask questions and explore, and now she's in medical school, which is pretty fucking cool if you ask me. So I'm really proud of Kila for realizing her passion for science. And my second person is my mom. If you know me personally, you probably know that my mom is an interior designer. She has a crazy wallpaper obsession and a great eye for art and furniture. And I love her to bits and I miss you a lot, mom, if you're listening to this. But when she was a teenager, she would buy Architectural Digest, which if you're not aware, is not a normal thing for most teenagers to do. And she took a drafting class, which she absolutely loved. And it was pretty clear if you went back and looked at it that she was interested in design and that was something that was her passion. And due to a few different circumstances, which I won't get into because it's not really my story to tell, she ended up going to a few different fields and she was still successful in these fields. And I think those things still brought her a lot of joy, but eventually, When she moved back to Vancouver after living in Toronto and London, England, she kind of reignited her passion for interior design and started her own small business. And now she gets to pursue that pretty much as much as she wants. And I think that's really cool. And I'm really proud of her for doing that. Now I think we should get into some of my deeper questions and reflections about passions. The biggest thing that came up for me when I was planning this episode was why do so many of us not realize our passions or ignore our passions? There's a lot of reasons and I don't think I can get into them all. So I think you can break it down into two categories. Internal, as in you stopping yourself from pursuing your passion and external, as in society or other factors beyond your control that determine whether you can pursue your passion. So in terms of internally, I think that a lot of us are genuinely just scared of pursuing our passions. We don't want to fail, we don't want to let people down around us, and I think we inherently set bigger stakes for ourselves when it comes to something that we love so much. For me, Failing in music would be a way bigger deal than failing a test in any other course or than, I don't know, getting fired from a part-time job or something. Like, if I fail in music, that's probably the lowest that I think I can go. And I'm sure for any of you who have passions that you're pursuing right now, you probably feel the same way. And then 
with external factors, there's societal pressure. There's a lot of stigma around both performing arts people and fine arts people in terms of people devaluing them in comparison to the conventional business person or the conventional scientist. Not that there's anything wrong with people outside of the creative sphere, but I think that as a society, we need to start acknowledging that it's important to allow people to pursue creative endeavors and not make them feel less worthy than anyone else. And kind of connected to that, the school system definitely needs to allow more room for creative pursuits as well. It breaks my heart every time I hear about a school district losing funding for arts programs because of budget cuts. And the fact that these programs are the first to go when money is tight is awful. And I understand that we do need to have balance and that it is important for students to learn other subjects like science, math, English, social studies, so on. But there definitely needs to be balance because if we can't raise students that are able to work creatively and see things from a different perspective and become invested in our culture as a society we might as well just turn into robots because a robot can do an equation, a robot can conduct experiments to an extent, a robot can do most of the things that people can do, but a robot can't be creative to the extent that a human can. A robot can't make music based on their personal emotions and experiences. A robot can't write poetry that is connected to their life. Basically what I'm saying is humans need to be able to continue to do human things. And for us, music, art, performance, poetry, those are all creative pursuits. And then I guess the last one would be still connected to societal pressure, but on a smaller scale. If you are experiencing bullying like I did, or you have little support from the people in your life, maybe financially as well, if you if money's tight and you need to be working a nine to five and you can't afford to give it all up to pursue your passion necessarily that can be really difficult and by no means am i advocating or saying that you need to pursue your passion with 100 percent of your being right now i think for a lot of people passions can be explored at the same time as having other careers or other endeavors that you're doing to give yourself more stability especially if those if your passion is in the creative sphere for a lot of us committing fully to our passions is just too much for a variety of reasons maybe you have a family to support maybe you have other factors in your life that make it hard to have instability and that's totally okay Moving on from those things, I also wanted to bring up the fact that even once you find your passion and even once you commit to pursuing your passion, things are unfortunately not going to be 100% easy going from there. I thought that getting into music school was the peak of my challenge as a musician, but let me tell you, it was not. I love music school, don't get me wrong. I could not have chosen a better place to be at or a better major for me. 
but it takes a lot of work and a lot of commitment and especially for creatives like music students or art students as in like fine arts there is a lot of competition i think a stat that i heard is for every 10 musicians maybe one ends up actually being able to break into the industry and be successful don't quote me on that i could be wrong but my point is there's a lot of people out there who are willing to work their asses off so I have to work my ass off just as hard if not harder as those people and music school is really hard I was not prepared for the amount of theory and academic side to music that I was going to have to do because my high school just didn't have those type of courses and I can't blame them it was a conventional academic high school. I didn't go to an art school. I wasn't involved in any pre-college programs. And that's totally fine as well. Don't ever let your lack of experience in your subject of interest stop you from pursuing it. Because if you really want something, like The Alchemist says, all the world will help you to achieve it. You just have to put in the work. But As I was saying, it's definitely not easy. I have to spend a ton of time practicing, looking into my music, studying for my academics, and it's definitely been difficult some days to remind myself that, yes, I do love this, and yes, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I know that a lot of other music students experience this kind of burnout as well, where We have so much pressure on us with our instrument and performing and improving that we end up feeling like our love for the art form is kind of fading away because it becomes so much about our grades or our ability to prove to other people that we're improving or prove to other people that we can sing such and such note or we can hold such and such pitch or, you know, things like that. I'm not explaining it super well, but I think you get the idea. It's exhausting having people constantly evaluate your performance when inherently art is subjective, music is subjective, and at the end of the day, one person might love your performance and another person might hate your performance, and you'll never know who was quote-unquote right and who was quote-unquote wrong. So I guess all in all, it's something to consider with pursuing your passion whether you have it in you to put up with criticism and put up with difficulties that you might face once you commit to it. And there is no shame at all in reconsidering pursuing your passion full-time if you think that it might be too difficult. And although I genuinely believe that if you love something as much as I love music, you will be able to succeed in it, sometimes we just need to not have those extra stresses in our lives and trust me I completely understand so please don't hear this and think that I'm ranting at you about needing to drop everything and pursue your passion I promise that's not what I'm saying but you should consider it That's pretty much most of what I wanted to touch on. I'd love to hear if you were able to discover, maybe you have a better idea about what your passion is after listening to this episode or just what your passion is in general. Are you an artistic person like me? Are you 
passionate about science or STEM or climate change or something totally unconventional that I've never heard of. Anything is cool with me and I'm not 100% sure about what I'm going to talk about next week so I'd love it if you guys submitted any feedback or ideas to my Instagram at LadyLazPod. I always love hearing from you guys and like I mentioned at the beginning, your support genuinely means the absolute world to me. I hope you have a happy week. I hope you have a happy life. I hope you find your passion. I hope you drink a lot of water today and I will talk to you again next week. Bye!